I'm Dave Baker. And I'm Spandrew Spice. Welcome to Deep Cuts, the podcast where we pick a topic and then walk you through the ins, outs, and nitty-gritty so that you can appear like an interesting and idiosyncratic person at your next forced social function. Today's topic is... The Danbury Trashers. Who were the Danbury Trashers? Well, they were a AAA hockey team founded by a man named James Galante, who may or may not have been a friend of ours, aka he was in the mob. And what he chose to do with his ill-gotten gains was create a hockey empire, and then immediately hand the reins of this multi-million dollar company to his 17-year-old son, who promptly turned the Trashers into a WWE-infused beatdown on ice. If Jinko Jeans had a face. A father's love holds no bounds, it has no limits, and it isn't constricted by better judgment. And despite being a hardened criminal with a face that seems to say things like, I've killed seven men before I've had my coffee this morning, James Galante was a man who loved his son maybe a little too much. Much like the name might suggest, the Danbury Trashers were a United Hockey League professional hockey team that was located in Danbury, Connecticut. First established in 2004 as an expansion team, they quickly found themselves at the heart of a booming empire of ravenous fans and a reputation as the most brutal team in the league. You might be wondering, what type of name is Trashers? Well, there's a simple answer to that question. James Galante, the team's owner, was in quote-unquote waste management. And you know what they say, vertical integration is king, and thus, the Trashers. But, as if that wasn't enough of a wild sentence to hear, this is where things get even crazier. Galante purchased the rights to the team for $500,000, and then promptly named his 17-year-old son AJ as the president and general manager. AJ, as you might see coming, had no prior experience as a GM or a president of a soon-to-be-failing hockey club on the AAA circuit. What he did have, however, was a die-hard fandom for the WWE. This proved to be a cocktail of wildly combustible elements that would propel the team to infamy and notoriety very quickly. March of 2004, we were sitting there, we were having dinner one night, and he finally, you know, he kind of nudges me and he's like, hey, listen, I'm going to start a minor league hockey team here, uh, probably in the fall. I'm like, okay. And he goes, and I want you to, you know, I want you to be the president. I want you to run the team. And I'm like, okay, dad, sure, no no problem. Yeah, I was, I was kind of like, joking back with him in a way. And I was just like, yeah, sure, yeah, I'll do it, Dad. I thought he was being sarcastic with me. That was our that was our verbal negotiation at dinner that night. It was just, I'm gonna do it, and, and that was that. It was insane. We're gonna turn this into like a heel, like a, a heel wrestler, where everyone wants to watch like the bad guy. And literally, we just went to work, and we started finding guys um, on and off the ice, really, that, that fit that image, and um, you know, I, I don't know whether it worked or not. I mean, we're still talking about this damn team. I mean, obviously it worked, and um, it was it was in, I, just insanity. The Trashers were founded as an expansion team on April 1st, 2004. He's often widely credited as the garbage disposal mogul, but in reality, James Galante was a mob boss who was ultimately the inspiration for Tony Soprano. Uh, Spandrew, Mr. Spice, old Spapa Spicy, a uh, big spice in chief, 
Um, how would you describe this photo of James Galante, a.k.a. definitely not the guy who inspired Tony Soprano? James Galante looks like a frozen pizza magnate. <laughs> James Galante looks like the type of guy who has stock in Just For Men hair dye as a preventative measure. Like when he was like in his 20s, he was taking out Just For Men because he was like, this hair is never going gray. James Galante looks like if George Lucas used the entire budget for Star Wars Episode Four to buy cocaine and then went to business school. <laughs> uh, James Galante looks like the type of guy, if they made a biopic about him, it would start as far back as I can remember. I've always wanted to be a guy who ate a lot of food, because that's I just like eating food. Food is good. You ever had food? Food's tasty. I've never been a gangster. I don't. I don't know anything about no gangster life. Hockey. I also like hockey. Hockey's cool. He's so he's so, he has such a huge ego that he insists on a biopic being made about him, but he doesn't want to admit to any of his crimes. So it's just about him loving to eat food. <laughs> you know. I got out of bed this morning and I was like, uh, I feel like we should make a movie about all these great things I've done, uh, including taking my dog for a walk, owning 25 different garbage and municipal uh, companies here in the greater tri-state areas. Also, have you tried Just For Men? It's a wonder. You had had no gray hairs. You just had whatever hair you want to have. James Galante looks like he can get you out of your DUI with no jail time. Man, you've just been owning me this time. <laughs> you are bringing the fire, and I'm just over here being like, I don't know. He looks like he eats stuff. <laughs> James Galante looks like the type of guy who, in his like worst nightmares, he dreams about concrete shoes, 45s being put in his mouth, and cold ravioli. Cold ravioli. I don't know why I hate that phrase so much, or the idea of eating cold ravioli. But yes, uh, this is a photo of, we're looking at a photo of James Galante uh, wearing a suit, apparently standing next to a mail truck. If you see in the back, there's an out of focus USPS logo. Yeah, he's just standing, he's standing with a mail truck. By, at, at first you assume this is some kind of like paparazzi photo. But then if you look closer, it's almost like a, a paparazzi photo that's been generated by Mid Journey, where it just didn't quite get all the details right. And when you, and when you look closer, you start to realize that there's something wrong with it. Because it's like there's a mail truck behind him and then the per there's a person that's like in blur, like super blurry focus in the background. But like, what is that? Is that a camera? Is that you? I have no idea what that actually is. I assumed it was a, per a photographer with a camera. But now looking closer, it just looks like a, a Cronenbergian monstrosity with like a with like a, a metallic eye. This next photo is a also this next one is also james galante but in the back you get the ear and very long chin strap sideburn of his son aj galante who we're going to discuss at length but you've completely fucked up my ability to look at him as the fearsome intimidating inspiration behind tony soprano i can now only see the distended neck goiter of george lucas yeah. and just like his beard looks photoshopped on or alternatively painted on with grease paint like in the 1930s. I am I'm low-key freaking out. Like I can't believe I didn't see the George Lucas thing until right now. 
But like this motherfucker literally is like midlife crisis George Lucas. Like he's just like, yeah, it's like poetry. It rhymes. I'm just going to quit Lucasfilm and become a a mobster. I'm just going to become a trash enforcement mobster. He looks like George Lucas if his wife had left him in the 60s instead of the 80s. Yeah. Oh, my God. This is so crazy. Marshall Lucas better thank her lucky stars that she's not with this George Lucas because she would be fucking dead otherwise. Oh, yeah. she Yeah. uh, 100% dead. Jesus. All right, so let's look at this next photo. This is from... Whoever two- broke him is dead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this this is a photo from 2004. Uh, they're in the ice rink. James Galante is, like, pointing somewhere and, like, talking to someone off camera. And next to him is A.J. Galante. What is... Uh, if you had to describe A.J. Galante, what, what would you say? What does he look like? A.J. Galante looks like he's from a race of aliens who, at some point decades ago received radio transmissions of episodes of the Jersey Shore and assumed that it was like some kind of biblical text. <laughs> AJ Galante looks like the type of kid who woke up on his 13th birthday, found Eminem, and was like, oh, yes. AJ Galante looks like somebody who woke up on his 50th birthday, wished he could be young again, got magically transported into the body of a teenager, and then this is what he thinks you're supposed to dress like. AJ Galante looks like the type of guy who sits in a restaurant and talks about how much he loves black women, like, really loudly. AJ Galante looks like he is Fred Durst from Limp Biscuits' uh, bodyguard. <laughs> AJ Galante looks like the type of guy who tried to get into uh, the gathering and all the juggalos were just like, nah, dude, nah. They just didn't let him in. Yeah, they were like, now we accept everybody, but nah, dude. But you got to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, nah, dude. We're, we're not about this AJ Galante life. If you couldn't tell from all our jokes, AJ Galante is wearing a giant Philadelphia 76ers jersey and a Philadelphia 76ers hat that's two sizes too big for him in the kind of like cringy late 90s hip hop way. Uh, Here's two more photos. I don't think we need to do them in as depth detail, but, uh, you know, one of them is AJ at 17 wearing a hockey trasher jerseys jersey holding a hockey stick. His his skin has a weird texture to it. Yeah, he looks he looks like it reminds me of that 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 uh that giant mural of Charles Foster Kane that he has behind him when he's delivering that campaign speech. Just weirdly like over-rendered, but it's a photo. That's probably what he he like went to a dermatologist and he was like, "I want the Charles Foster Kane special, but make it hip hop." Yeah, either way, it's I mean it's creepy. I mean it might it, it might be uh photoshopped i would i would like to assume that he just overly airbrushed his picture and not that he like he looks like this in real life i don't i don't think it is i think it's yeah i think it's just his face i think it's just what he looks like for better or for worse james galante was born on january 5th 1953 in new york city he rose through the ranks of the genovese crime family his investments didn't stop at the trashers though he also had a race car team In 1999, Galante was sentenced to 12 months and one day in federal prison after pleading guilty to tax evasion. But back to the hockey, AJ Galante, for being a 17-year-old, had a very good sense of theatricality. He had a vision for what the team should be almost from the get-go. They were shooting to be the WWE Attitude Era heel as their gold standard. And as such, they hired a bunch of beefy dudes. The phrase, we're going to be the evil empire of the UHL, 
was repeated often. As such, they hired tough guys like Garrett Burnett, Raman Nadur, and Brad Wingfield, who had previously held the UHL record for penalties during the 02-03 season. So they're basically trying to be like the XFL of hockey? Totally. Mm-hmm. But like on a weird small bargain bin basement level where they're trying to be the only team that's the XFL in like the junior NFL. <laughs> without the huge budget that the XFL had. Unless you count, you know, a crime family footing the bill to bring in a bunch of players that you wouldn't normally not have had the money to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, whether or not they had the same amount of money in like criminal blood money or whatever, it's just it's just not anywhere near. It's just like you said, it's like the bargain basement version of it for, for whatever reason. Which I, which actually, I, I, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, the XFL despite just being like a horrible failure that just never was successful, they invented a type of camera rig system for the XFL where the camera would be up on this grid system that would move over the top of the field. And up until recently, where basically drones have completely replaced it, that that camera rig system was adopted in like other like in the NFL and like they in, they invented this type of camera system that ended up becoming this very popular type of camera system for all sports. Spandrew, my memory of the XFL is he hate me. That's all I got. I, I, I literally I I only know that it existed and that it was like it was it was um, Vince McMahon's thing that he started or was the chairman of or whatever. I know that fact about the camera system, and I know that in the movie The Sixth Man, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, or no, that's not the 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 Sixth Day. The Sixth Man is that movie with that basketball player who dies and becomes a ghost. The Sixth Day with Arnold Schwarzenegger about clones. They also have the XFL in that. And in in that movie, the XFL is where they basically make clones, and they do an extreme contact football and they regularly die in it because they're just clones. So it's like it's like a it's like a combination between football and like a gladiator arena. He hate me, more like he clone me. Yep, exactly. That's where that's where I was going with that. Glad you picked up on that. Um this the thing that's really interesting to me about this story is I feel like in some ways it's 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 very emblematic of like a certain type of man's American dream. You know, I don't know that everybody has the vision to be like, we're going to do the WWE in a hockey team. But I think that there's this kind of like intergenerational familial, like I will build an empire and I will give it to my son, regardless of if he's actually like capable of running it or not. (laughs) Like my legacy will live on. Like, it's really fascinating to me that you know, in the the crime world, like people die and shit is really fucked, and you the the re, the rate of people who retire as an old man not dead is like you know negative zero or whatever. And it's fascinating to me that you would spend your entire life in one of the most powerful and brutalistic fan families of of criminals in American history, and objectively be one of the most successful members of it, and you want subconsciously or consciously to leave your son with something you know a family name and you're like garbage is fucking lame you know what's cool hockey and then you hand the keys to your kid and your kid goes all right dad hockey is cool but you know what's even cooler fucking stone cold steve austin (laughs) amazing (laughs) 
Well, yeah, I mean, that's I think that's exactly what it is, too. Like it, the whole process from beginning to end is just a bunch of like fucking jag offs just jagging off. Like that's that's what's going on here. It's just a bunch of jag offs jagging off. It's like a a dad a, a fucking trash management dad who's just like, hey yo, fucking what's cool? What am I going to give my son of the fucking hockey team? Right? That's that's fuck. Like, what do you think? What do you guys think? And they're like, yes, yes, that's that's perfect. You're Mr. Galante. You're you're a genius. You're a genius. Start have, get a hockey team. And he's like, yeah, bada boom, bada bing, a fucking hockey team. He'll love it. He'll think it's fucking badass. And then he's like, oh, here, son, here's your fucking hockey team. I got it for you. And he's like, oh, you know what, dad? Like, uh, well, you know, it'd be more badass if it was fucking like, if it was like, if it was like, uh, you know, like leather suits. And then we fucking like beat each other up. And he's like, that's kind of already what hockey is. And he's like, well, like, like big, more beating up, more leather, more, more leather all over you and like more beating up. And he's like, yeah, whatever. Fuck, I got a fucking meeting. Just do it. Like that that's that's the process of what happened here. It's amazing. It's amazing. Like it doesn't sound real. It sounds like a shitty Will Ferrell sports comedy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this sounds like Adam McKay's follow-up to Step Brothers, you know? Hockey Dad coming this summer, starring Haley Joel Osment and Will Ferrell. It's funny because it's funny you say that because I think that uh, at some point you were debating buying a hockey team for uh, JJ the Fourth. Yes, and yes, and bequeathing it to him as, as 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 his as his legacy or as my legacy. No, I think I th- I think that at some point I don't know when it happened, but like mainstream comedy transitioned into. From being the like broad, raunchy comedy of the early 2000s, the Adam McKay movies, they those people like Todd Phillips and Adam McKay and some of those other comedy directors, they started like transitioning over into like, let's make like Coen Brothers movies, but big and raunchy and comedic. And so they started making like the fucking like the, the third hangover movie is not a comedy. It's like a weird crime thriller. And then, like, you know, uh, Adam McKay made uh, the big short and then he's now he's making these like dramas or whatever. But they all just decided, like, instead of making broad comedies where Will Ferrell is like, oh, my God, they wanted to make movies about like weird scumbags just like doing crazy shit and getting in trouble. And I actually found this out later on. I I didn't know this Uh, when (laughs) when you guys. When I first listened to the Tom Hansen episode, the, you know, the, the the guy who made a movie about the Zodiac Killer to trap the Zodiac Killer, that story was optioned by Adam McKay to make into a movie years ago. He never did it. It never got made. But they were going to make an Adam McKay style fucked up comedy about this Tom Hansen story. And so I feel like what you said is very apt where it's like. This is exactly like this is what an Adam McKay Adam McKay would make a movie about this now. It's like a it's a cross between it's it's the midpoint between an Adam McKay Will Ferrell movie and then like a Coen Brothers movie. It's so weird. It's so fucking weird. Um, yeah, I I, there, I wish that this movie had or this story had more redeeming qualities to it. Like I wish that there was a silver lining for the individuals involved, but. Uh, you'll see quick why there's kind of not. Just offs dragging off. And here's where things get even weirder. Knowing that they needed a name to attract paying fans, they hired the biggest name in hockey to come and play for them. 
Gretzky. Brent Gretzky? Oh, it was very important to start with a splash. You know, really start with a splash. Right now, I guess, let's get right to the chase and introduce our first player, our captain, our first signing. I think everyone knows the name well by now. We decided the first player had to be a big <laughs> name to jolt the hockey community in the Northeast. It was a no-brainer. We decided the first player had to be Gretzky. It had to be Gretzky, and that's really where it, it technically all began. Which Gretzky? Brent Gretzky. Quick <laughs> justice, ecstatic to have him. Everyone, Brent Gretzky. <laughs> the younger brother of Wayne Gretzky, the sports writers ate it up. It was like, okay, touche, Galantis. The game was on, but I didn't. Oh my God. That was one of the best clips I've ever seen. Every part of it was perfect. <laughs> like you, you really, you can't even get a sense that you have to watch this. Like you have to see it because it's, I mean, it's funny you, listening to it. It's funny. But to see that whole symphony occurring, like you've got, You've got uh, DJ Galante, AJ Galante, AJ, AJ you got, Galante. You, you got AJ Galante, and it's like we're we're cutting from him in a studio doing a talking head thing. He's older. He's got a beard. He's talking like he's he kind of sounds like Shaggy. He kind of sounds like Shaggy to dope. Like he kind of Shaggy to dope. He kind of is talking like no, he's kind of, no, no. He's talking about like Violent J. That's what he sounds like. He kind of sounds like Violent J, which is so funny that you said the 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 gathering thing because he sounds like fucking violent jay and he's like he's like you know what we had to have we had to have gretzky and then it's cutting over to a, a footage of him younger announcing this he's like the most socially awkward person ever like up on stage presenting this he's like nervously fidgeting with his shirt he's like uh and i guess uh that without having to make ado we should tell you about the um our our decision um we are introducing now uh, Brent Gretzky like he's just so awkward he's so awkward i love it and also he says we had to get it gretzky and like obviously the joke is is that you think it's Wayne Gretzky and then it's not Wayne Gretzky which is like that's a funny joke of it not being Wayne Gretzky. Like, that's a, that's funny if we did it, like what you just did with the script. That's funny when we do it. But with him doing it, it's like your your whole thing you're trying to do is start a badass hockey team. You're just going to disappoint people whenever you reveal that it's Brent Gretzky. Like that's not funny. It's like it's like disappointing. It's going to make you look like a clown. Like why are you doing this? It's amazing. It's amazing. And the, the best part about it is that it worked. That like they got serious coverage and a bunch of people were like, oh, the fucking Danbury Treasures, they've got a Gretzky. They got themselves a Gretzky. Like, it's amazing. <laughs> oh my God. That's what's the, fu the funniest part about it to me is that it worked because it's such a bonehead 17 year old move. Like, you know that they were like sitting in an office and AJ Galante was like, Man, I wish we could just fucking hire Wayne Gretzky. And somebody was like, yeah, if we had a name brand hockey player to really like pivot off of, like 
this first season would make some serious noise. Like, we just need a Gretzky. And then you know there was, like, everybody sitting there silently for a minute. And then somebody was like, we could get a Bretsky, Gretzky. There's there's two other Gretzkys. Why don't we just see if we can get one of the other ones? He's like, what are you talking about, man? We can't get a different Gretzky. We can't get one of his shitty brothers. We got to get Wayne Gretzky. Nobody's going to fucking know about any of these other Gretzkys. And he's like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. Like, there's a bunch of Bill Murray brothers. And like, you know, it's not Bill Murray. But then there's that one guy. And he's like the mayor in Groundhog Day. Yeah, I, yeah, man. Yeah, man. I I don't know, man. I mean, you know, fucking, uh, what the hell is his name? The Saturday Night Live guy who died? His brother is... Just, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> J- Jim Belushi? Jim Belushi. People love Jim Belushi. You couldn't even think of his name. Yeah, but that's because I'm just not like a comedy guy. Come on. You know I love my soaps. I love my soaps. I love it. I love it. Uh, it's so funny to me that it worked, too. Like, it, uh, it's fantastic. Fantastic. For a coach, they hired the son of the New York Islanders head coach. And for assistant coach, AJ's former high school coach. How amazing is that? They were like, we, we got to get an NFL or uh, an NHL, you know, National Hockey League coach to come in here. Bring us up to the big leagues. Oh, we can't get any of them? What about, like, the son of one of those guys, then? Eh? I also love that it's almost, like, you st- like you're like you almost starting to see, like, oh, I see what they're doing. They're just, it's like, they're just going to get, like, the family member of a bunch of different people and play that that joke over and over again of, like, because that'd be very funny. It's, like, our, our uh, I don't know, what, I don't know what the positions in hockey are or whatever, like, what the equivalent of a quarterback is or whatever, but, like, our whatever, our captain Gretzky, Brent Gretzky, our coach, this person, no, this person's son. And like, that would be funny to do that and announce the whole team. And they're all just brothers or sisters or parents of or or children of famous people or big names. But then he breaks that immediately and is like, oh, no, this isn't he's not that smart. He's just hiring his his high school coach. It was just two two's a coincidence, three's a pattern, and it was a coincidence this time. <laughs> <laughs> Expectations were high for the team, surprisingly. People didn't often spend money in the UHL, but the Galantes were burning capital. Expensive renovations to the venue, an all-new roster and coaching staff. It was a sight to behold, so much so, in fact, that Hockey News ranked them as the number two seed in the league without ever having played a game. Unfortunately, this notion would soon be questioned. So they're like they were like the Theranos of shitty hockey teams where they just like tricked everyone into thinking that they were amazing without ever doing anything. Well, I mean, it's you're grading on a curve, right? It's, you know, it's like, you know, triple A, basically, you know, minor league uh, hockey. So, you know, most of these people aren't like professional, professional. Some of them are. And then some of them, I think, have other jobs and are like real estate agents or something. I don't know that much about AAA hockey. So if I can, I don't know. Who knows? Act 2. Why does AJ's face always look so greasy? The Trashers' first season began with the team playing about 500. Then, a quarter of the way through the 0405 season, they went on a seven-game unbeaten streak that moved them into the first place of the Eastern Division. The streak was part of nine consecutive games without a regulation loss. This lifted the Trashers into a tie for the first place of the league. Before we go on, I feel like we should just talk briefly about the kind of vibe that the team had. So... 
they kind of were shooting to be like a Raiders style team where, you know, they're like the bad boys, they're the villains of the league. They also hired specifically, like most teams have like a single enforcer or maybe two enforcers, like dudes that are just, they're not maybe that skilled or that good of a puck handler or, or that, you know, ag- uh, agile, but they're just like brick shit houses that like just take people out. And their goal the was- The Bash Brothers. Exactly. The Bash Brothers. Exactly. Their goal was to just have like a wall of meat, just have like the whole team be enforcers and Brent Gretzky. <laughs> Oops, all Bash Brothers. Oops, all Bash Brothers. Um, but they were known for like shooting like pyrotechnics out on the ice, for having these major brawls where, you know, both benches cleared and people were just beating the shit out of each other. People were getting fights in the stands. Um, a lot of people like broke limbs and had to go to the hospital from the the fights that happened just in the stands, not even like on the ice. Um like they like really quickly manufactured a a a, a stalwart base of people that were really here for the chaos. Like they didn't even really care about the hockey. They just wanted to fucking see people beat the shit out of each other. I and I kind of love that. Like I don't I don't know where what turn this story is going to take or whatever. Like fucking AJ Galante is like a pedophile or something. Like I don't know. But No, he's not. It's fine. He's exactly who you think he is. And I also I have no interest in hockey, really. Uh, like I said, my 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 interest in hockey goes as deep as the Mighty Ducks movies. Um, and I also I'm, I'm not like a huge fan of like just wanton violence and people getting into fucking brawls and shit. But I I love the idea of just like the thing that we've talked about a lot in this show in various contexts, which is just this breaking of the social contract where it's like there's a very specific idea of what organized sports is very unprecedented to do anything outside of the bounds of what is expected in any given thing such as hockey i know hockey is like one of the more violent sports with the fights that they get into and all that stuff but like certainly i don't think this level of that is expected it's not like a a gimmick sport like professional wrestling or whatever where it's thrives off of this kind of stuff and you have to create a character and i just love the idea that they were just like we're just gonna do it anyway and everyone's just like they can just do this. We never thought of what would happen if somebody did this. It's just happening. We have no we have no recourse. Yeah, basically the basically there was kind of two things that are going on behind the scenes as we're going to be talking about these two seasons that they played. One of which was that the UHL um president or whatever, the guy who like runs the league when they first started, went to James Galante and was like, hey, we're not gonna have any problems, right? Like everything's gonna be cool. And James Galante was like, I don't know, man, I'm just over here. I just got my son. He's gonna run this company. I don't know. I get trash king a Connecticut. What do you want from me? Listen, listen, listen. Every day another another Gagoots comes into my office and he says the same thing. He says, we're not going to have any problems, right? And you know what? Me, the trash king, you know what I do? I take out the trash. I mean, you know, infer from that what you will. I'm not saying anything specific. I'm just saying that a lot of a lot of gagushkas come in here and they say, we're not going to have any problems, right? They say it like that. They say it just like you. That's what, that's what you sound like. And then I take out the trash. Whatever, the, whatever that means to you. Just, just think about that in your mind. Put that in your mind palace and smoke it, buddy. I take out the trash. So he, he fucking, you know, he, he goes to James Galante. He's like, we're not going to be problems, right? And James Galante's like, nope, everything's going to be cool. Everything's going to be cool. And initially, after these first couple of games where things are going real bad, the president guy is like, 
bro, this shit's getting violent. Like, this is not cool. And James Galante is like, eh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Everything's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. Listen, listen. Every day, another Kapuchanta comes into my office and he says the same thing. Yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting dangerously close to accidentally saying a racial slur. I get it. <laughs> it's, a little, it's a little weird, bro. I don't know, bro. <laughs> it's made up gibberish. Come on, man. You and and you and you. Someone comes in here and he says the same thing. He says it's getting a little violent. You know what I do? I'm the trash king. I take out the trash. <laughs> <laughs> so so this is gonna be. I'm just planting the seed that there are powers at be that are not excited about. The level of violence and the kind of bad publicity of like, you know, the hooligans, you know, the, the the enforcer guys and the very excitable crowds that come to these shows. And uh, this will hap- this will come back later. I'm just bringing it up now so that later you're like, oh, that's right. Dave mentioned that whole thing about the president guy being really upset at this these fucking guys, like basically from the fucking get go. The streak was part of nine consecutive games without a regulation loss that lifted the trashers into a tie for the first place in the league. The winning streak was also witness to one of two brawls during the season. In a game against the Kalamazoo Wings on December 1st, Wingfield attempted to instigate an altercation with a Wings player. The player refused to fight, but as Wingfield skated away from the player, grabbed Wingfield's jersey and pulled him back over his outstretched leg. Wingfield's skate caught on the ice as he fell backwards, breaking his ankle. The play incited a brawl where Nadur fought with two players, attempted to kick a lineman, and charged the Wings bench before the officials were able to subdue him. We call that one a Rube Goldberg's wet dream. His actions led to a 20-game suspension from the league, while the Kalamazoo player received five-game suspension. Upset with the officiating, James Galante went down to ice level to voice his opinion. Galante entered the ice via the penalty box, where he got into a shouting match with a linesman and allegedly punched him. For his actions, Galante was charged with misdemeanor assault and fined by the UHL for leaving the owner's box. The UHL stated that because of the disturbances on the ice, they could not determine what actually happened. The linesman was suspended for five games as part of this altercation. He later asked that the assault charges against Galante be dropped. After this request, prosecutors still intended to pursue the charges, but eventually dropped them, citing a lack of evidence. Before the brawl, the Trashers went on an 8-2-0 winning streak in their next 10 games. A second brawl occurred a month later in a game versus the Adirondack Frostbite. At the end of the brawl, the Trashers' Chad Wagner was removed from the ice by being a linesman when he broke away and attacked the Adirondack bench, grabbing their head coach, Mark Potvin. Compounding the issue, Two other Trasher players left the penalty box and skated towards the bench. A third player sucker-punched an opponent, breaking his nose. For his part in the brawl, Wagner was banned from the UHL, while the other two players who left the penalty box received a 5- and 10-game suspension, respectively, and the third player was suspended for the remainder of the season and the playoffs. Head coach Sterling was also suspended for three games for not being able to control his players. It was the 16th time in the league that a suspension of a Thrasher's player had happened. All right, Galante, you know, this is ridiculous. First, I came in here and I said, there's not going to be any trouble. You you assured me that that was fine. You was, it was all okay. And then I was like, this is getting out of hand. And you were like, it's fine. But this is this is too far. Brawls, people's bro- broken ankles, people getting suspended—just absolute anarchy. This has to stop. Listen, every single day of my fucking life, 
somebody comes into my office and says verbatim that exact thing that you just said. Every word that you just said as you walked into my office, somebody comes into my office every single day and says those exact words and those exact order with no exception every single day of my life. And you know what I say? Because I'm the trash man. I take out the trash. Danbury again found success after the brawl, going eight and three in their next 11 games. On February 23rd, 2005, the Trashers again hosted the Adirondack Frostbite. World Wrestling Entertainment superstar John Cena was on hand for what resembled more of a WWE event than a hockey game. The teams combined for 106 penalty minutes in the first period, and six game misconducts were issued in the first 10 minutes of the game. Wait a, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. So what does that mean that John Cena was hosted? Basically, he was like there being like a an MC and like a special guest of honor. So he was there. He went out on the ice. He said some shit. He was like, oh, Danbury Trashers can't see me. Can't see me. And then they fucking shot pyrotechnics and AJ was there being like, oh, I fucking love the WWE. <laughs> yeah, this is this is just this dude's like, we just all got to bear witness to just our rich guys playing out his fantasies for as long as the money held up. Danbury finished the regular season with 95 points, second place in the Eastern Division, nine points behind you guessed it, the Adirondack Frostbite. They also set up a UHL record for PIMs at 2,776 minutes, uh, which PIMs is penalty minutes, right? Uh, In the first round of the playoffs, they faced off against the Frostbite, winning the series in six games. In the second round, Danbury faced the Muskegon Fury, which led the Central Division with 111 points. The Trashers were eliminated in five games by Muskegon, who went on to win the championship the Colonial Cup. At the season's end, the Trashers were announced the winners of the UHL's Merchandisers of the Year Award, which is so funny to me that they were just like, yeah, we didn't win the fucking cup, but you know what we did win? Some fucking sick merch, bro. They're like you, you, you did not qualify in even the the smallest amount towards winning any award that was geared towards the skill of this game, your ability to play the game, your ability to win or come close to winning anything to do with the sport that you're playing. But you had some fucking fire t-shirts. Love the logo. Chef's kiss. I love the way you guys had those giant like number one hands. But instead of the number one hand, it was just a fucking trash can. Flipping the middle finger. Like your your behavior and candor on the ice is completely unacceptable and I will not have that in my league. But in the realm of merchandise, I say fuck the man. In the offseason, the Trashers changed head coaches, bringing in Paul Gillis, who had coached the Quad City Mallards the previous season. Sterling remained with the team in a scouting and consulting role. They also brought in a new goaltender, Sylvian Daigle, who had won three Colonial Cups with the Fury. Daigle was taken by the Port Huron Flags in an expansion draft and traded to Danbury for their top goal scorer, Mike Bayrak. Notice not our boy Gretzky. They also reached an agreement to have all their games broadcast on local ESPN radio affiliated stations and to have select games broadcast on tape delay locally to comcast cable so basically at this point they've been around for a season they went to the playoffs they made it one round away from being in the championships and they won that spiffy merchandising award sounds like a pretty resounding success for one season of an expansion team like they're they're doing their thing you know they're out here they're having 
explosions on the ice. They're having fist fights in the in the seats. They're having fist fights on the ice. Uh, James Galante is getting into fist fights. The ego of this guy is just propelling the team, and it's fantastic. Yeah, and it, 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 as I kind of was saying before, you know, I I kind I kind of so far I kind of I love I love everything I'm seeing. I love it. I'm into it, and it almost feels like this could be the beginnings of some empire that's being built. But because as we're sitting here, and as the listener is sitting here, having no fucking idea what the the Dansbury Trashers are, we know that's not the case. We know that this does not work out, but it feels like it could. And so, right here, we're in this moment of the Schrodinger's, the Schrodinger's trash can. The Schrodinger's trash can. Yeah, the Schrodinger's trash can. Yeah. We're, we're, at the, we're at the Schrodinger's trash can of like, what goes wrong? Why does this not work? Because I kind of love it. It's, it's, it's interesting. They haven't done anything like too fucked up to where you'd be like, fuck these guys. They just seem like they're having fun and doing something kind of unique and refreshing. So what, what goes wrong? What, what, where... Where does where are they not able to where is the failure to launch here? Well, we got another season and then you'll get your answer, Spandrew. Uh, you'll get your answer. Don't worry. The Trashers began their second season in the league with two shootout games, winning one and losing the other. Despite earning three of a possible four points, Gillis was unhappy with the team's performance. His concerns later proved accurate as Danbury started the year with a record of four, five, and two. The Trashers hovered around the 500 mark going into December, where they started the month with a six-game win streak that brought them within five points of first place in the Eastern Division. They finished December without a regulation loss, going 11-0-3. Danbury finished the season strong with a seven-game win streak in March, finishing the year with a six-game winning streak. The winning streaks helped Danbury win the Eastern Division, finishing with 107 points, nine ahead of, you guessed it, them pesky Adirondack Frostbites. We don't like those Adirondack Frostbites because... This episode is written from the point of view of the Trashers. Yeah, even though they're probably just normal guys and not like unhinged uh, rich people born of mafia money. Fuck those guys. Fuck the Adirondack Frostbite. Also, why? What? what is up with like hockey team names? Like every other sport name. I'm not a sports guy. Don't not No interest in sports. Every other sports team name is like, you know, the Pistons, the Pirates, the Cowboys. But like every hockey team name is like the Saskatchewan Dilemmas. <laughs> the existential crisis of fireworks. Like what 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 is why do they have names like that? This is a good question and it's above my pay grade. I have no idea. Although I will say the Arizona hockey team is uh the Coyotes, I believe. That's like a normal name. Yeah, some of them are normal. But then there's just like, there's just like the loathing of Christ. Like, like the Des Moines anorexias. In the first round, the Trashers faced off against Gillis's former team, the Mallards. Although the Trashers began the playoffs as the second seed, they had lost both regular season matchups with the Mallards. Danbury lost the first two games of the seven-game series at home and were facing games three and five on the road. The Trashers won games three and four to tie the series before losing game five. Facing elimination, Danbury won the final two games to win the series in seven and advance 
to the second round. Our boys did it. They did it. I mean, not only not only did they do it, but like given everything, the whole setup of the story, the concept, the people involved, the footage that we've seen, it's genuinely blowing my mind that they are even able to compete. Yeah. And they're like in the playoffs. They beat their rivals. Yeah. It's it's impressive. The fact they didn't do in their first game, they were just like humiliated. The fact that that didn't happen is is mind blowing to me. The fact that they're like seemingly an actual functional hockey team. That's not where I saw this story going. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) The second round was a rematch with Muskegon. The Trashers took a 3-2 series lead into game six, which went into triple overtime before drum roll. Danbury finally eliminated the defending champions. Oh, my God. They were like. They they were legit. Yes, yes. Our boy AJ Galante, that that shiny skinned little clone of the situation from Jersey Shore, was like a good hockey owner at seventeen. At seventeen, he was legit. He made good moves. Yeah, good moves. In the finals, the Trashers faced the Kalamazoo Wings, who had not lost a game in the playoffs. Danbury lost game one of the series, but rebounded to defeat the K-Wings in game two. It proved to be the only game that they lost in the postseason that year, as they won the next three games in order to capture the championship and defeat the Danbury Trashers. During the finals, Dangle set the UHL record for most saves in a single playoff with 511. They were defeated by one team's miraculous win streak. Yeah, pretty much. Like they were, they were coming up, they were coming up hot. They were, they were getting there. And then they just were, they were deflected by a miracle. Yeah. A miracle with a capital M. They were deflected by fucking, uh, Kurt, Kurt Russell. Russell. He in that movie? Yeah. Kurt, Kurt Russell off, uh, fucking delivering a rousing motivational speech. Yeah. Yeah. We will not go quietly into the night. Today, this is our in uh, hockey triple A hockey finals, and that's that's why we don't know about the Danbury Trashers today. Yeah, yeah, they their their Bill Pullman rousing third act speech just didn't quite land the way everybody wanted it to. You see, I'm still we're 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 round we're we're circling the drain here, and I still am just like why why didn't this become a bigger thing? They had a flashy gimmick. They were actually good at it. It was a good team. They almost like won a championship. You want to, you want to, you you, are you ready? Are you ready? Do you want to guess? Do you want to make a guess as to what happens? Um, I think that uh, AJ Galante is busted for having a massive affair with the entire cheerleading team. The, the, the talk you have cheerleaders, is that a thing? Nope. He, ha- he had like a, he had like a Matrix Reloaded style orgy with every, every uh, hockey cheerleader in the league. I mean, that just sounds like a good time. I don't, I don't think that's anything to shut down a team over. That just sounds like, you know. Start an OnlyFans account, you know? Let's let's monetize this content. In June of 2006, after having played two seasons, James Galante, the owner of the Danbury Trashers, was charged with 72 charges, including, wait for it, racketeering. One of the charges that pertained directly to the Trashers was wire fraud, which resulted in the interstate faxing of fraudulent salary cap documents. The Trashers had circumvented the UHL's 275000 annual salary cap by giving players and their wives no-show positions within the disposal companies 
that Galante owned, or giving them housing allowances and checks for sums which had already been paid. Estimates were that the Trashers had exceeded the salary cap by $475,000, making total payroll closer to $750,000. For his part in aiding the violation of the salary cap, former head coach Sterling was also charged with wire fraud. He pleaded guilty and was given five years probation. Galante pleaded guilty to one count of RICO charges in one court and conspiring to defraud the IRS and one count of conspiracy to commit wire fraud in another. He also was sentenced to 87 months of imprisonment and had to forfeit his ownership interests in 25 trash hauling related companies. He also had to get rid of his Southbury residence, six racing cars, and a trailer used to haul them around, and about $500,000 in cash seized from his business office and home. So basically what happened here, similar to the movie Space Jam, where the the alien guy played by Danny DeVito that owns Moron Mountain, he wants to challenge the Looney Tunes to a game of basketball, and it's for the fate of the planet or whatever the fucking stakes are in that movie. And they're like, we don't know how to play basketball. They're going to destroy us. We got to get the best basketball player ever. And they get Michael Jordan and they and they enlist him to play on their team. And that's how they win the game. So they basically did this where they were like, how do we like just come out of nowhere and have a hockey team and actually like be legit and win? Let's just throw a bunch of money at seasoned professional players that are good at the game so we can just like buy our way into having a good game. But there was a rule that actually prevented people from doing that, which was you couldn't you could only pay a certain amount of money per player so that you couldn't just hire Wayne Gretzky, right? And so they just they just went around that rule and that's how they did what they did. So it, it was like it was like if spa- if in Space Jam they were like we're going to get Michael Jordan to be on our team. And then the Danny DeVito guy's like, no, you can't do that. It's got to be you guys. Cut to the world exploding. Or no, 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 that's that's not what happens. He wants to use the Looney Tunes in Moron Mountain. So he's like basically going to enslave them. That's what the stakes are. So there's that. But then there's also... Also, Space Jam sucks. Highly, highly overrated cult classic there's, movie. <laughs> there's also this other component to it where they would like give players wives jobs that didn't exist basically they used the mob tactics of running these fake companies that just basically you know skim money and give them to all the mob people for the uh, hockey players and they would also incentivize hockey players into hurting people by paying them cash under the table so like if you were one of those bruiser dudes and there hadn't been a fight that game and there was a very valuable player on the other team, you just knew that if you took him out and like hurt him, there would just be a white envelope waiting for you in your, you know, uh, in your locker that would just have a bunch of money. Um, and there's all these weird stories about like them going out to dinner and James Galante being like, hey, how's it going here? High five, high five. Here's a fucking, you know, $200 for your dead, t- you know, whatever, you know. Mr. Mr. Galante, you wanted to see me? Yeah, Brent, Brent, Gretzky, the Gretzinator. Come on in, come on and sit down. Uh, you know how when I last time we talked, I told you that I'm the trash man. And I when I when I have a problem, I take out the trash. You know how I told you that? Well, I'm gonna need you to take out a little bit of trash yourself, okay? You I, I slip you a little a little uh Benjamin here, a little Jackson there, and you go out there and you take out the trash. Now what's the what's taking out the trash? I mean, you know, could mean anything. Could be anything. I don't know what that means. 
but it could mean beating the fuck out of other people on the ice. It could mean that. You think you can do that, Brenty? Brenty G? <laughs> Brent just looks at him and goes, uh, you know I'm not one of those guys, right? And he's like, oh, oh shit, you're like one of the actual players. All right, never mind, never mind. Send one of those other Goombas in here. Send one of those other Goombas in here. But before you go, $200 if you, if you punch a guy square in the face tomorrow at the game. Just out of context, no reason. Just do it. 200 bucks. <laughs> So obviously, Chekhov's gun, the president of the UHL or whatever the fuck, shows up and he's like, hey, I thought we were going to have no fucking problems. You guys are committing wire fraud. You're violating the, the salary cap. What the fuck is this? These are problems. I took out the trash. I told you I was going to do this. I told you everything that I did. I just said it in a very non-specific way that you were supposed to infer with your mind nuggets. I do it every day. I infer things. People understand what I'm saying. If it's not my fault, you're, you're not smart enough to get on to infer. So amid the controversy and pressure from the league, the Trashers disbanded. Damn it. It's my favorite sports team. As of like 40 minutes ago. Yeah. It's the only sports team I've ever been interested in. But here's the, the little silver lining. Our, uh, our Danbury Trashers, the bad boys of the UHL. Remember their uh, arch enemies, the Adirondack Frostbite? Well, they also failed to secure an arena lease because they didn't have anybody to play against with the Trashers gone. So they disbanded as well. <laughs> <laughs> they fucking took them down in the end. If we're going out, you're coming with us, motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. Yep. Fucking amazing. Amazing. Even when they lose, they still win. Let's watch a little bit of this interview of, uh, uh, this was like footage from, a, like, a ceremony where they invited AJ Galante back to, uh, the former home of the trashers and they were going to do like a you know like a commemoration ceremony basically hey atrix fans josh star i have aj galante here and uh, we're gonna take a lap around the rink thanks for joining us you ready to get to it let's do it man all right getting inducted into our ring of honor our inaugural class coming up on february 19th what is the what does the honor really mean to you and coming back here after all these years it's just so surreal you know i mean uh, like i said it's we announced this team almost 18 years ago, you know, to the day, you know, and it's like, you know, of course, at the time you, you, you hope for the best, hope it becomes like a big thing, but never in a million years did we ever anticipate it becoming, you know, the team, the, the lure of the trashers and all this, you know, becoming what it was. You know, I played high school hockey here, so it, it's weird. You know, I was playing high school hockey here from like 02 to 04, you know, so it's it's weird, you know, it's a lot of memories, you know, even like where I was hitting people and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I obviously spent a lot of time in a penalty box. So it's, <laughs> it's weird being on this level, you know, when you're on the ice, it's, it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's cool, man. It's, it's, uh, it's just such an honor. And when you come back here, you, you talk about those memories and, you know, you, you, you had some on the ice, like you said, but yeah. a, a lot of your memories came up in that box. Uh, the oh, yeah. famous AJ Cam, everything. What do you, what do you remember from that time just watching the game and, and what it was like in this building? It's electric, man. You know, I mean, it was like, uh, it just, it brings me back to a different time, you know, even just times were just different. You know, it, it, it wasn't that, it doesn't seem that long ago, but it's almost two decades ago, you know, and, uh, just was crazy. It was just, it was electric. It was, uh, you know, I could like pick out spots on the ice and I, I could think of like a incident or a moment or, you know, good or bad that happened. And, uh, you know, just looking out, thinking to the fans, you know, section 102, obviously. And, uh, 
Yeah, man, but the hat trick's got it too, man. I'm telling you, it's it's uh, every time I've come to a hat trick game, it's it's that same feeling, you know. Yeah. So it, it's good that um, you know, the the tricks are carrying the carrying the uh, the baton, man. It's yeah. it's awesome to see. Yeah, it's uh, it, yeah, we're happy to be here, and uh, you know, it's it all started with you guys back 18 years ago. So uh, when you when you did start, what what were the expectations for you? I know. Uh, you know, it, it comes out in the documentary. Your, your dad kind of just handed you the team. What, <laughs> yeah. what were you thinking at that time? And, and what really were you expecting from the whole experience? No expectations, no plans. It was just like winging it each day. It felt that's how it felt, especially in the beginning. It was just kind of like, you know, when we announced the team, you know, you're talking about April, you know, our, our season doesn't start till October. So you're like, oh, we got plenty of time to figure this out. And then it's like, before you know it, it's June, July, August, September. We're like a month out and a lot of construction wasn't even done. And, you know, that panic starts to, starts to set in. But, um, you know, I give my father credit, man. He was the visionary. He kind of like, he saw it. He, he was never panicked about it. He's like, it's going to get done. And literally like 15 minutes. I remember it was October 15th, 04, our first ever game. It's like 15 minutes before doors open. They were still welding stuff. Wow. Two of my best friends in high school were helping welding stuff up there. I was just like, this is insane. It's like, it's <laughs> like we just beat, it was, a, it was a buzzer beater, bro. It, we, we got it done like by the minute almost. It's, it's, it's insane. <laughs> wow. Uh, that's, that's, uh, that's amazing. Yeah. And who would, who would know what would have happened if, uh, that first night wasn't, wasn't. I amazing. remember the night before our first game. So we're talking October 14th, 04. It was a Thursday night. We're here, we're, we're kind of like doing our last run through, you know, not that we were doing anything major, but, and I remember I was on the ice with the kid that played our mascot, Scrappy. It was just us on the ice. It was probably 11 o'clock at night. There was no one else here really. It was just us. We were just like kind of taking it all in like, wow, what's going to happen tomorrow, you know? And I remember we were just joking around and I, I busted myself right on the blue line. I slipped and I like banged my head and I remember... You're so delirious from like so much work and it's like all this adrenaline. And I just remember looking at the lights laughing just so hard. And I, and I was just now that I look back, it was kind of like that was kind of like the perfect moment, like like previewing what was to come with this team, man, because yeah. I don't think any of us really expected it to happen like that. But I remember the night before real light, right before midnight, I, I, <laughs> I busted over there and I fell and I was laughing and, uh, you know, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, if you look up at those lights now, you still you still see the trashers blew up. Yeah, no, it's still there, man. It's it's still there. It's it's crazy. I kind I kind of like AJ Galante. <laughs> you you're into you're into his weird mumbling, just like hey, you know, it was like fucking electric, you know. Like I remember, like it was yesterday. He's he's obvious. He's like really he's really socially awkward. He's not particularly charismatic. He like has the trappings of a charismatic kind of like hey kind of guy but he's just like not quite pulling it off but like that actually kind of like it kind of works for me like that actually makes me like him more because you know that he is who he's pretending to be or something that i mean yeah he seems more he seems more authentic i kind and i almost kind of like love the idea of him like just trying to pull off that vibe and just not quite nailing it, it i don't know he, he's he's kind of he's kind of likable to me I wish I could join you uh, out on that island. Uh, I think he's a fucking chode. What? What? What about that? Is it? What? what 
Come on. He, he hasn't, he, he hasn't, he, his dad was a criminal. He hasn't done anything. I mean, obviously there's things that we haven't seen. Maybe there's some interview where he does something really shitty or whatever. But from what we've seen, what is wrong with that guy? Promoting wanton violence and uh, having bad taste and uh, being a goober. Number one, what what difference is that than like professional wrestling or any of these other things that trade in like over the top machismo? Number two, you think he's a chode because he has bad taste? <laughs> yeah, dude. I would not. I, you're saying that you would like if AJ Galante like texted you and was like, hey, bro, I'm in town. You want to hang out? You would be like, fuck, yeah, I'm going to go hang out with AJ Galante. I mean, where's the neck? Where's the? We got big wings over here. Have you ever been to big wings? That that bro chicken wing bar. That's where I, I, I'd, I'd recommend it in a second. I'd be like, I know exactly the place for us to go, AJ. Oh, man, I, I I look forward to slinking into Big Wang's to have myself some Big Wang's by myself because I don't have any friends looking over and seeing you and AJ Galante cackling, having a grand old time and feeling sad. Start crying into my Big Wang's. I always call I always call Big Wang's Little Bakersfield. It's, <laughs> it's like it's like an island of just like Bakersfield bros in the middle of LA. And, and that's where we'd go. Amazing. Uh, one, so I think my my final thoughts on the story of the Danbury Trashers are, I love what a microcosm this is for like late 90s, early 2000s Americana. You got WWE machismo, this kind of bad boy energy. You can't tell me nothing. That was like a post 9-11, like, you know, uh, hyper masculinity. Um, I love... The fact that it's literally backed by the mob. And I think it's so fucking funny that this is the inspiration for The Sopranos. Amazing. Amazing. Spandrew, what are your what are your thoughts on the, the Danbury Trashers? This truly embodies the spirit of this show. The I can't believe I never heard about this type of story, which we don't always do. That's sort of what, what the show is supposed to be. We don't always do stories like that. Sometimes we do stories that are like well known, but it's like our take on it. Sometimes they're not just not particularly obscure. But this is a true embodiment of this because it's like like the Tom Hansen story that I referenced earlier. It feels so big and yet you've never heard of it. Like likely nobody listening to this episode has ever heard of this. I mean, I'm sure there's. Yeah, I mean, there's I'm sure that there's a there recently there was like maybe last year or two years ago, there was like a Netflix documentary about them. But like that's it to prove to prove your point, like no one in the broader culture knows about this story. And, and it's one of those things where it's like, how, 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 how is this not like a household story? Especially after The Sopranos comes out, because you would think they'd be like, oh, the guy who inspired the most uh, critically acclaimed TV show of all time ran a hockey team and he put his son in charge of it. When he was 17? It's amazing. It's fucking amazing. I love this. I have I have nothing negative to say about this. This is this is one of the greatest things I've ever heard. I don't even like sports. I have no interest in sports. This is this is one of the greatest stories of our of our of our fucking generation. This is not the reaction I expected you to have. <laughs> but I I love the un, unbridled enthusiasm that's uh, coming coming from from Spice Town. I'm into it. I'm a Danbury Trashers fan. Like this this is this is the sports equivalent of in the aeroplane over the sea by Neutral Milk Hotel. It's just like they had one album. That's it. But it's fucking great. I respect it. On that note, I'm Dave Baker, and I'm Spandrew Spice. 
If you want to find me online, you can do so at heydavebaker.com. You can also find my comics anywhere you get your comic books. Forest Hills Bootleg Society, uh, Everyone is Tulip, Star Trek, Voyager, Seven's Reckoning, all available in comic shops. If you want to buy some of my indie stuff, you can do so on my website, xdavebakerx and on the socials. Span Drew's Spies! Where can people find you? You can find me in the stands the day that they announce the Danbury Trashers reunion game. I almost said show. And you can't find me on social media because I don't use social media. But if you want to check out our dear, beloved, sweet Papa Pricey's book, Deadbolt AI Private Eye, you can go to his website, dapricerights.com. You can also follow us on social media. Facebook, just type in Deep Cuts Podcast. You can join our Facebook group, Deep Cuts Podcast Podcast Facebook group, where we talk about the show and make memes. You can join our Discord server, bit.ly.com slash Deep Cuts Discord, where we talk about the show, make memes, talk about other things, and play games and stuff. We hang out on there and talk sometimes. Uh, You can uh, follow us on Instagram at Deep Cuts Pod, TikTok at Mystery Treehouse. You can go to our our shop, deepcutspod.com. Click on the shop and you can get T-shirts and hats and all that kind of stuff with Deep Cuts graphics on them. You can also pick up our Mystery Treehouse Junior Sleuth shoulder patch. And that is it. Deep Cuts is a production by Boy Genius Media. If you'd like to find this show and others like it, please visit boygeniusmedia.com or deepcutspod.com. If you want to join in on post-episode discussions, please join the Deep Cuts Podcast Facebook group. Finally, subscribe to our YouTube channel for additional video content.